Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, it's wonderful to see you all. Um, I'm surprised that we got so many people turn up today, given that it's Mother's Day and the fact that the clocks went forward, right? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I wonder if we could get started. Amen. Um, Paul, beg you just shut that door for me, bro. Just, would you sh just shut that door for me, bro? Just, thank you. Well, welcome. We are currently doing a series in the Psalms, and it's really interesting how today, unlike I think any other day, I've actually kept a promise to myself, which is a promise not to be long. Honestly, I really have, and um, you'll see how I've attempted to attain my goal, <laughs> because today's going to be quite unorthodox. We have been in the book of Psalms doing a series um, called Prayer, Poetry, Prophecy, and Praise, and kind of looking at the Psalms in different ways. We have spent a lot of time, probably four weeks just looking at the poetry of the Psalms and trying to enjoy that and even imbibe that. And um, we spent two weeks looking at the, poet, the, the prophetic nature of the Psalms. So we looked at um, poetic prophecy, if you like. And um, the first couple of weeks, we kind of highlighted how the Psalms spoke about us but then the last couple of weeks, we kind of switched it up and saw how the psalm actually, the psalms and particularly someone speaks about Jesus fundamentally. Um, this week, we're going to do a little bit on prayer. And what I'm saying, the, the operative word is little. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit about prayer. And then hopefully next week, we're going to do something on praise. Given all that I've said, we have not looked at any other text, at least in terms of our core text, apart from Psalm 1. And um, I'm aiming to do again the same today. And today's message is poetic prayer, poetic prayer. So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to read the psalm. And we're going to come to kind of like the second element of what we've been looking at. So Psalm 1, starting at verse 1, says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish one of the things that I've done if you're visiting today for the first time most of our batch are aware of this I made a promise and a commitment Every week to try and summarize the previous week in a rap. Now, some of you be like, really? <laughs> um, some of you guys know that myself and Pastor Ephraim back in the day used to kind of um, be involved in Christian rap. 
kind of ministry for over 15, probably 20 years. And um, since at least planting the church back in 2003, it's something that we, we stopped doing in the way that we did it before previously. Um, but <clears throat> something kind of came up, came up maybe two, three years ago that encouraged me to, to not disregard at least you know, what could be termed a gift and um, just for reasons that I won't go into now, I've just been encouraged and inspired to just think about writing again. And let me just say for the record, it's not because I'm about to try and do an album and go on tour or anything like that. That's not the reason. But um, hopefully over the course of the next few months, I'll be, we'll be able to kind of talk about what that might be. Um, but <clears throat> my fundamental reasons for doing it, one is for my own personal development and growth and trying to stretch myself if I ain't stretched enough past the E you know what I'm saying is at the moment just having a break because the way he described it was you know sometimes you can get so stretched it's a little bit like a rubber band and you look at an elastic band yeah it's normally kind of like a brownie color when you stretch it what color does it go white and you know at any minute <laughs> that can snap and um it's kind of felt a little bit like that and what I've done is if I weren't stretched enough, I've gone and even stretched myself. So if I snap even in front of your eyes, then you know why. Um, but again, I'm, I'm doing this for my own kind of personal growth. And trying to be an encouragement to, to you in that we constantly need to be growing. You know what I'm saying? It's a challenge, man. And, you know, growth is painful and it's difficult. And um, I did commit to, being sh to keeping to time. So... That's the first reason. The second reason is, again, just to, just to highlight the nature of the Psalms. Because the Psalms is poetry. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's set to music. If anything, I would back it and say that, you know what, like rap, partic particularly Christian rap, is one of the closest um, forms, you know what I'm saying, of musical genre to the Bible. Because of that reason. Lyrics, set to, lyrics that are poetic, that are set to music. Now... <clears throat> What I'm going to try and do is this week, I'm going to try and do a little bit of last week, and I'm going to tie it in a little bit with this week. And this is one of the, what the beauties of kind of art. It doesn't, the kind of no rules, quote unquote. So um, would you bear with me? Again, this is fresh out the oven. I hardly, I hardly like, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, who wrote this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's that fresh like this morning. So um, here we go. <clears throat> Mothers laid down their lives for us. I've got to read it, right? Because I haven't memorized it, not like Dave. Mothers laid down their lives for us in order that healthily our lives are just. But Jesus laid down his life for us in order to make us his righteousness. Mothers laid down their lives for us in order that healthily our lives are just. But Jesus laid down his life for us in order that God might abide with us. From the gate Mum gave us all she had. It's mad. I ain't trying to hate on dad. Yeah. You were a team from the, day, the, from the day you married, but she for nine months was the one who carried. And she gets up with baby most of the time <laughs> and demands a new interior design and has a, an extended waistline. You have to give her ratings without a doubt. 36 hours of labor. Eventually she pushed it out. The baby that is. Every other minute, having to change a diaper, two years later, running around because the kid is mad hyper. I mean, if mom's going to testify to that same runner, even in the middle of the service, running around after them. 
Now, I highlight mums because of all that you do, when you think about it, Jesus did the same for you. Before you got saved, you caused the Lord bare stress. When you were born again, he came in and he cleaned up your mess. Like a midwife delivered you, like a caring father, he carried you. Then later, as a handsome prince, he married you. Like a midwife delivered you, like a caring father, he carried you. Then later, as a handsome prince, down the aisle, he took and then he married you. Mothers laid down their lives for us in order that healthily our lives are just. But Jesus laid down his life for us in order that he might make us his righteousness. Mothers laid down their lives for us in order that healthily our lives are just. But Jesus laid down his life for us in order that God might abide with us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you um, for today and the fact that it is a day for us to celebrate our mothers, whether they are. They're here or they're no longer with us. Thank you that we can celebrate, Lord, their legacy. And um, thank you, Lord, for giving us even the privilege and the opportunity to be able to hold our mums and to love on our mums and to, and to today particularly care for our mums if they are here. And uh, Father, thank you because the, the love that our mums communicate to us is a reflection of your love. Um, I pray that um, you would help us as we, as we look further at this psalm lord not only does it show us your great commitment and love for us lord it actually contributes to helping us to show our love to you by fueling our prayers father would you help us to to see that this psalm is poetic but it's also that which can contribute to helping our prayers in jesus name amen amen so prayer you know I've mentioned a couple of times at the beginning of the year, Pastor E set us this challenge. He was like, new year, right, new you. And challenged all of us to kind of think, okay, how can, how can I be all that the Lord wants me to be and embrace maybe some of the stuff that I have, I've been running from or um, stuff that I, I really want to give myself to but I haven't had the time to, but I'm going to make a commitment to do that and as you know, I had already prepared a, a series that was virtually 80% prepared. But when Pastor E put that challenge to us, I'm like, okay, wow, all right then. And, 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 and I felt like, okay, if I was to respond to that challenge, you know, obviously we're always, always challenging you. If I was to respond to that challenge, sitting in the seat as, as he was preaching, I thought, I just felt like the Lord said, okay, then how about you? Take everyone on the journey that you've been on with reference to just your devotional life. And at the beginning of the year, I started to read through a, a devotion by Tim Keller. And it's, it's, it's unlike any other devotion I've used before because it's really pithy. That means it's really short and to the point, nothing long. And I've struggled with devotions, devotionals over the year where you kind of start in January and you kind of do good for the first couple of weeks and then you get to February and tutus, March. Like, where did I put that devotional book again? You know what I mean? It's like everything's just flopped and fallen apart. Um, maybe that's just me, I don't know. And um, so I got this new devotion and up until now, by God's grace, I've been able to stick with it. Not every single day. And those are days when I don't, I try and catch up. And, um, and so um, this journey I've invited you in on because... The devotion goes through the book of Psalms. 
and pretty much takes a little part of the Psalms and you get through the whole 150 chapters over the course of the year. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges that I face, but I thought that Tim Keller does it in a way that is, is again, pithy and short and sweet and to the point. And because I know that a lot of you, a lot of us are looking to take our mums out today, I'm going to let him just share what it would take, probably take me 20 minutes to share. He's going to share it in six minutes. Um, so I'm going to ask D if he would just hook up that sound for me. Um, and it's, only, it's, only a, it's an audio clip, so there's nothing to see. But I just beg you, just give your attention to this as we talk a little bit about some of this stuff over the course of the next 15, 20 minutes. This week on the Ask Pastor John podcast, we're joined by pastor and author Tim Keller. He has a really excellent book coming out soon titled Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. And he joins us today from his office in New York City to talk about prayer. This week, I plan to ask 10 rapid-fire questions, two questions per episode this week. So here we go, Dr. Keller. Here's question number one. I want to begin with a broad question. Um, Among Christians today... How widespread is prayerlessness, and what does it reveal about our spiritual health? Well, I think that that's a, it's actually, it's, it's a broad question, but it's also not that hard a question to answer. I, I know that from a secular, just from empirical secular studies, uh, everyone in our Western society today has less solitude. Everybody says that. All of us have... Uh, uh, there's less and less of our day or our month or our week in which we are unplugged. We're not, we're not, we're not listening to something or talking to somebody or texting. Uh, it's because of the, uh, you know, how pervasive the social media is and the Internet is and various sorts of electronic devices. And therefore, uh, most people in the past couldn't avoid solitude to some degree. But now there isn't any. And so everybody I talk to, it's, this is anecdotal, uh, everybody I talk to it seems so busy and is, uh, uh, is communicating so incessantly and around the clock that I do think that there's more and more prayerlessness. There's less and less time where people go into a, a solitary time or place to pray. That's all. I, I'm, I'm virtually sure that we are more prayerless than we've been in the past, and that does say that our spiritual health is, uh, is in free fall. Sobering. All right, on to question number two. Your book is very clear. A profitable prayer life is impossible without God's Word. You explain a time in your life when you were driven by desperation to pray, and so you opened up the Psalms and you prayed through them. Explain how you did this, what it did to you, what, what did you learn during this season of, of going through the Psalms? Well, that's, that's a, I'm glad to talk about that. Um, I came to see that the Psalms were extremely important, perhaps for prayer. Uh, perhaps that's because I read a book some years ago by Eugene Peterson called Answering God. He makes a very strong case that uh, we only pray well if we are immersed in the Scripture um, so that we, we learn our prayer vocabulary the way children learn their vocabulary. That is, they're immersed in language, and then they speak it back. And uh, he said that the prayer book of the Bible is the Psalms, and we should be immersed in the Psalms, and we, our prayer life would be immeasurably enriched if we were immersed in the Psalms. So that was, I guess, the first step, and uh, that I realized I needed to do that, but I didn't know how. Then I spent a couple of years 
studying the Psalms, at one point I realized that there were a fair number of the Psalms that seemed repetitious or um, difficult to understand, so I couldn't use them in prayer. So I decided to work through all 150 of them, and I used Derek Kidner's little Tyndale commentary, Alec Mateer's commentary in the New Bible Commentary, 21st Century, uh, Mateer on the Psalms, and Michael Wilcock, his commentary on the Psalms in the Bible Speaks Today. And what I did was I worked through all 150 Psalms and wrote a small outline and a small description of what I thought the Psalm was basically about and key verses that I thought were useful for prayer. Every one of these Psalms was a very small paragraph. Now, admittedly, I'm using nine-point font, but um, basically it's about, I got all 150 Psalms on about 20 pages, of uh, which I use now in the morning whenever I'm uh, praying. Uh, and by the way, I use the Book of Common Prayer's um, schedule, which is I read Psalms in the morning and the evening, and then I pray. Sometimes I actually pray the Psalm, but many times I just pray, I just read the Psalm and then pray. Um, and I do it morning and evening, get through all 150 Psalms every month. So that's, that's how I, uh, that's what I learned. And that's, you know, that's what I do now. I love this intentional and disciplined approach. And I presume over time you found Peterson's point to be true, that this practice really shaped your prayer language. Yes. That's the reason why you don't just have to, you don't have to literally take the Psalm and turn it into a prayer, though that can often be very powerful. Just reading the Psalms every month all the way through and then praying after reading a Psalm absolutely changes your, your vocabulary, your language, your, your, your attitude. Tony, on the one hand, the Psalms actually show you that you can be very unhappy in God's <laughs> presence. The Psalms, in a sense, give you the permission to uh, really throw out, uh, pour out your complaints in a way that probably, if it wasn't for the Psalms, we might think inappropriate. But on the other hand, the Psalms demand that you bow in the end to the sovereignty of God in a way that modern culture doesn't, uh, wouldn't lead you to believe. So uh, it, Alec Mateer said, the Psalms are written by people who knew a lot less about God than we do and love God a lot more than we do. Huh. And by that he meant, because they didn't, they didn't know about the cross, there's a number of places where you could say, hey, they don't know as much about God's saving purposes as I do now on this side of the cross. But he says, even though many of the psalmists don't know God as well as we do, they love God more than we do. So that, that insight, by the way, also helped me through some of the psalms where there's calls for vengeance and things. And so three things real quick. So one, um, do you feel the challenge of prayerlessness? And I mean... Um, Especially when you understand what the Bible says about how often we ought to pray. Like sometimes you get the impression, okay, prayer is like church, right? So if I go to church like Christmas and Easter, well, cool, well, I'll pray two times a year. <laughs> or if I go to a wedding or a funeral, I might just pray there. And I'm saying, I'm sitting at the wedding and I'm hoping that I get married. Or, and I'm saying, I'm married and I'm, I'm, I wish I was divorced or... I'm at a funeral, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my time soon come, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes these things may provoke us to prayer. But then again, how, how about once a week coming to church? Is that enough? Um, anyone familiar with how often the Bible says we ought to pray? How about if we pray every day? How often does the Bible encourage and instruct us to pray? 
without ceasing. So if, if when I asked that question, like, how do you feel about your prayer life or prayerlessness? And you were like, no, nah, man, my prayer life is banging. I'm on it. You, 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 I suspect then you didn't realize that prayer is something that God expects. And it relates to the fact that we are in a relationship with God. And if God is there all the time, he's, he's all the time accessible, right? And really, the encouragement for us to pray without ceasing is for our benefit. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I feel the challenge of that, especially when I think about all the, the people that I need to pray for, and I think about all the needs, let alone for myself and all of my issues. And I'm saying how much I need God's help. So that's the first thing. I suppose, and the second thing, that is God's, the challenge of Scripture in, in, in the face of my prayerlessness. And then the third thing, do you feel that the challenge of everything pressing in on you from every single angle, and, it, and this was before social media, you know what I mean? It's like, on a level, can I ask, right? How many of you can actually use the bathroom without taking your phone in there with you? All right, we've got a couple of hands, we've got a few hands up. Yeah, I'm not going to ask how many people do take their phones in the bathroom with them. You know what I mean? Um, but if you do, then that just helps us to see that he spoke about isolation and how we struggle to be in isolation. We struggle to be in... Even, this, even sitting and having to listen to that clip was probably hard for some of us. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think that's, that speaks profoundly to me. And I'm hoping again to you. So, seven weeks ago, we began to see how this psalm um, spoke about two different types of people that exist. Not men and women, not black and white, not rich and poor, but the righteous and the unrighteous, or the blessed and the wicked. And we saw that everyone was originally born in a state of unrighteousness, but didn't have to remain that way. We could be changed. We could be reborn. We could be transformed. The text provided an illustration of the chaff and the tree, two completely different and contrasting entities that incredibly portrays the two types of people and as a result, two ways to live. Now, as we, we looked further, it was evident that as much as we see this need to change, um, and we even have a desire to change, we're incapable of, of bringing that change about ourselves. And we saw, if you were here, that we need a savior. And I'm saying we need, we, need, we, need a, we, need, we need help, we need a rescuer. And we found him. Over the last two weeks, we've seen that this mystery man in Psalm 1, the blessed man, in verse 1, is someone who perfectly keeps God's law, perpetually meditates on it, and perpetually produces fruit, not just a tree, but the tree of life. Providing amazing hope for the hopeless, justification for the unjust, righteousness for the unrighteous, salvation for the sinner, blessing instead of perishing, where we, the chaff, were able to become like him, a tree, because he, the ultimate tree, was willing to become chaff for you and me. This blessed man is Jesus. Now, 
The title of the series I mentioned is Prayer, Poetry, Prophecy, and Praise. And we talked about poetry and prophecy. Next week, we're going to talk about praise. This week, prayer. So Psalm 1 is a prophetic poem that evokes praise, but also inspires prayer. Now, about 100 years ago, um, the, the gospel and the Psalms were were the only part of the Bible that common people could own. And you see some um, kind of like the, the afterglow of that. Have you ever seen a Gideon's Bible? It's just got the New Testament and the Psalms. Well, that's what most people, common people, used to own a few hundred years ago. And um, it's funny because John Calvin, speaking about the Psalms, he says the Psalms are the design of the Holy Spirit And it's to deliver the church a common form of prayer. One of the things that we probably are not aware of is the book of Psalms. I mean, to say that it was used in inspiring the prayers of the saints for millennia. That's for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know what I'm saying? Thousands of years would be an understatement. Tim Keller says, with regards to the Psalms, he says... It's a medicine chest for the heart. Now, part of the reason I felt challenged to share like, what I'm sharing in terms of this whole series is, is because all my years as a Christian, I kind of dipped in and out of the Psalms, but I've never really taken the time to, to, to give it real time. You know what I mean? And um, I'm beginning to understand what he means when he says the Psalms is a medicine chest for the heart. He also says... We are, in a sense, notice this, to put them, that's the Psalms, inside our own prayers, or perhaps to put our prayers inside them. He also says, the Psalms lead us to do what the Psalmists do, to commit ourselves to God through pledges and promises, to depend on God through petition and expressions of acceptance, to seek comfort in God through lament and complaint. The Psalms give you the opportunity to say, whoa, you know that, you know that stuff's on your, mind, on your mind that you dare not let out of your lips? Well, this is stuff you can actually bring to God. You know what I'm saying? To find mercy from God through confession and repentance, to gain new wisdom and perspective from God through meditation which is a lot what this psalm is about, remembrance and reflection. He also goes on to say, the psalms also help us to see God. God not as we wish or hope him to be, but as he actually reveals himself. The descriptions of God in the Psalter, which is just another fancy name for the psalms, are rich beyond human invention. He is more holy, more wise, more fearsome, more tender and loving than we would ever imagine him to be. The Psalms fire our imaginations into new realms, yet guide them towards the God who actually exists. This brings a reality to our prayer lives that nothing else can. I don't know if you heard him say, like children. Oops. Good thing there's a few more over there. You can go grab one, sis. Um, like children. How do, they, how do they learn to speak? How many of you know that, you know what I'm saying, 
you don't sit them down when they're kind of like six months old and begin to draw on a chalkboard as they did back in the day or, you know what I'm saying, get ABC counters out. And no. How kids learn to talk is by us talking to them, right? And over a course of time, they become fluent in our language. Well, in similar fashion, how we become familiar with the language that God speaks. You know what I'm saying? One, to be able to hear him, but then also two, to be able to communicate back to him is the same. So as, as much time we spend in God's word, reading it, listening to it being preached, you know what I'm saying, meditating on it, memorizing it, as much as we do that, how many of you know our ability to communicate with God becomes much more fluent? Does that make sense? Now, hopefully over the past few weeks, um, as we've been kind of reading the Psalms, in the light of the rest of the Bible, we've seen how the Psalms actually bring us to Jesus. You know what I mean? Because we said, Luke 24, 44, Jesus says, everything in the, in, the, in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms speak about me. And not only are the Psalms about Jesus, it's crazy. You know, Jesus probably not only read the Psalms, I mean, someone said last week he wrote them, right? Not only did Jesus read the Psalms, he sang the Psalms. And we'll talk about a, a little bit about that next week. And <clears throat> he memorized the Psalms, you know what I'm saying? And he probably prayed the Psalms. And we know that because from the cross, one of the things that Jesus screamed was, Father, why have you forsaken me? That's the first bar of Psalm 22. And if you know Psalm 22, wow. Because it's in Psalm 22, it talks about the fact that they pierced my hands and my feet. And David wrote that 2,000 years before Jesus was actually born. So the Psalms speak about Jesus, but Jesus used the Psalms in order to speak and converse even with his father. See, it's the, it, the Psalms is the book of the Bible that Jesus also quotes more than any other book that he quotes. Now, today's message is going gonna, is gonna to be more like a devotion than a sermon. And would you believe we're more than halfway through? Now, here's where I've been greatly challenged. <clears throat> and I've found the Psalms just very, 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 very helpful. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a baby in, the, in this when it comes to the Psalms. I feel like I've only just begun to s scratch the surface. Do you remember in Matthew 6, right, where Jesus spoke particularly about prayer? Just leading up to that point, it says, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, now let me confess here that like, being here on a Sunday, being up front, I'm a pastor, you know what I'm saying? Always having to lead, always having to pray. It's like, sometimes I, I pray because I have to. It ain't because I want to. And I'm saying sometimes it's like, oh, Rob, Pastor Rob, can you do... When I work at LCM, right, now, my name, my name is Robert. I don't know who come to LCM start calling me Pastor Robert. Now, all of a sudden, everybody start calling me Pastor Rob. I'm like, and I said to the class one day, I said, you know what? I said, do me a favor, please, beg you, just call me Robert. And they were like, oh, but no, Pastor Rob, you're Pastor I said, on a level, call me Robert, because hear what? I've got enough people at Ecclesia in my church that I have to pastor, let alone to come try pastor the whole at LCM. Just call me Robert. 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it real. You know what I mean? And, and I'm saying, you see that whole thing about, that it's, it's, easy, it's easy to pray in public because it's what's expected. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to, you don't, you, I mean, you're in a group and there's only four or five of you and you're in a prayer meeting. You know, you, you know them times when you turn up for a prayer meeting and boy, it's thin on the ground. You know what I'm saying? And how are you going to get away from not praying? And one person prays and, and person B prays and person C prays and then the pressure. You know you're going to have to at some point, you know that pressure. You're going to have to pray. But at the same time, it's a real blessing. You know what I mean? And that's one of the reasons I love to pray in community because not only am I forced to have to think, okay, what, am I, what can I pray? And again, not just for, for show, you know, not, not just to be show, but genuinely, okay, I'm here for a reason. Okay, Lord, help me really, you know what I'm saying? That, that, pro, that, that provoking is healthy, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but it's also a blessing to sit and listen to other people pray. You know what I mean? I hear other people express their hearts to God as they go through the same wrestle that I'm going through. Okay? Ain't no one sitting there being like, I'm a professional prayer. I mean, you've got some people that are intercessors. I can't lie. Like, they pray at the drop of a hat and Mama, Mama Shirley, even as I look over there, Mama Shirley, you know what I'm saying? Prayer warrior. Thank God. Today's Mother's Day. I thank God. You know what? I thank God for my mom. She's not here today, but we're going to take her out later for like, three o'clock. Hurry up, Robert. So, my mom, I thank God for her because... Every time I call her, she will always remind me that, Robbie, I'm praying for you today, you know. Every single day. My mom's 85 years old. And I know at some point she's going to be leaving to go home. You know what I mean? And boy, let me tell you, I'm, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss her prayers. You know what I mean? Thank God that Jesus continues to pray for us as a heavenly intercessor. But when we pray, if we pray, and I'm saying, that's not the way to pray, just to be seen, verse 1. Verse 2, thus, when you, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. See, these are some of the reasons why often religious people do what they do. This is sometimes the reasons why we as religious people do sometimes what we do. And I mean, truly I say to you, that they've received their reward. You know, like you pray a great, amazing prayer. Like even, even you're surprised by the prayer. You're like, right, that was, oh, hey. You know what I'm saying? And you felt a little, oh. And, and other people are like, oh, that was a powerful prayer. I, I don't even know if I can pray after my sister now. That was so powerful. You know them powerful prayers? And it's like, boy. <laughs> Somebody might go, that was an amazing prayer, Pastor Rob. Right, they won't applaud, but they'll be like, boy, that was part. felt that, boy. You know what I mean? Got in this. <laughs> That's my reward right there. That's it. I mean, not even maybe even the answer to the prayer, because I possibly wasn't even talking to God. I was talking to the people that are in the room. You know, you know them ones? I don't know. Jesus says, That's, you have your reward right there. Verse 3, but, but, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and he's, he's building, he's going to make a point about this secrecy. Your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Oh, so the reward is there, but the, the, the conditions have to be right. You know what I'm saying? My heart has to be right. My motivation has to be right. Verse 5, he goes on and says, and when, uh, notice, and when you pray, not if you pray, right? When you, supposed to pray without ceasing, right? When you pray, it's like standard, he's expecting it, right? 
He says, you must not be like the hypocrites. Lord, forgive us. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. And that's the temptation. Sometimes even when I pray, I feel like it has to be this and it has to be that. And Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. He says, don't do it to be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, this is the issue. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Anybody feel that challenge? And like I said, it's harder in our current climate now. And I'm saying to separate yourself, to isolate yourself. And the thing about doing it in secret is there ain't no round of applause. There ain't no, wow, this person's so spiritual. You know what I mean? But that's where the reward, you see the next part of the verse, that's where the reward is. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I wonder if sometimes we don't really see no powerful responses to our prayers because we don't meet those conditions. In James, it says sometimes you pray and you don't receive because you ask for the wrong reasons. He says sometimes you don't receive because you don't ask, but if you're going to ask, he says when you pray, verse 7, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Again, it's this trying to sound spiritual it's like that doesn't impress God and it only impresses the people that are listening possibly you know what I mean it's just it's dead because they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words that's encouraging isn't it you don't even need no holy per words because God already knows us in our hearts isn't it it's just like having kids and wanting them to come and talk to you. It says kids get older, that becomes much more real. Like you, you birth them, like I said in a rap, and it's Mother's Day. And you know what I'm saying? You raise that baby, you gave your life to that child. When they become an adult, they walk past you like you don't even exist. Ain't got no time for you. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky, Mother's Day. <laughs> you might get a bunch of flowers and maybe they might take you out for dinner. Obviously, that's an over-exaggeration, you know what I mean? But part of the reason God encourages us to pray is that we will come and relate with him, that we will come and sit with him, that we will spend time with him. I've got this book. I'm terrified to read it. Who's it by again? It's just a thin little booklet written by one of the Puritans about 300 years ago. You know what my man says in the book? My man says, look, if you don't pray in this fashion that is find a place, a secret place, that means you're not doing your prayers for any other reason than connecting with God and wanting to spend time with him. Like, how are you going to get to know God if you don't spend time with him, right? He's like, I'm not even sure that you're a Christian. <laughs> I put the book down. I, I, I say I can't find the book. I don't want to find the book. <sighs> it was just so challenging, you know what I mean? And... um. And again, it's because of this relationship thing. You know, in Matthew 7, that's what the Lord says, doesn't he, to those who think they know him. And I'm saying, he turns around and he says, sorry? He says, like, when was your meeting ever in any kind of relationship? He says, 
He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, that says, that says, that, but it's like someone saying, when did we meet? Like, like when, when did we sit down and spend time together? And I hear that, and that makes me tremble. Because I've got time to do so many other things. You know what I mean? And it goes back to Psalm 1, this whole delight in, in the law of the Lord. I'm gonna, hopefully I'm going to get to something in a minute. But, um, it says, don't be like the hypocrites, verse 7. All these flowery prayers, all these holy per words. God's like, where did you get that from? Verse 8, do not be like them. Do not be like that, for your father knows what you have need of before you ask. He says, this is how you must pray, right? Pray our Father in heaven. Imagine, and this, this prayer, I mean, if this was specific to that which you communicated, you could do this in about 30 seconds. Now, we know that it's a pattern for prayer, but nonetheless, if this is all you did, this is a blessing. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. See how it starts off. It starts off not with the emphasis on us. It starts on the emphasis on, on God. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom come, my will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that can be a tough prayer to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. That's not so hard. You know what I'm saying? And forgive us our debts or our trespasses as, as we also forgive our debtors, those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, I'm not trying to exposit this portion of the text but you know it's been argued that contained in this prayer is like an outline of important elements to prayer you know what i'm saying um one what just one particular um kind of model is you've probably heard it is acts a c t s right you know what the a stands for thank you paul adoration you know what i'm saying it's that taking the opportunity to uh, to adore god for um, for who he is, I'm saying, hallowed be your name, Lord, you're different, you're special, Lord, you're like no one else. You, know, I mean, you can give it in your own modern vernacular, it doesn't have to be in King James, right? And then the second one is C, what does the C stand for? It stands for confession, a very vital part of our prayer lives, right? Because how many of you know we sin every day? Come on now. We sin every day, multiple times a day. And this word confess, it just means to agree with God. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you say, Lord, amen. You know, you're right and I'm wrong. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, we've got to confess that sin. No, no point walking around with it in my head. I've got to come to him and I've got to confess that. You know what I'm saying? And my relationship with him is mended. Just like when you have beef with someone. You know what I'm saying? You need to go and tell them that you're sorry. Especially when it's your fault. Even when it's not your fault. T stands for thanksgiving. Another important part. Thanks. T stands for thanksgiving. It doesn't sound for funny. Thanks. <laughs> what are you laughing for? She said what? Share the joke, innit? <laughs> joke. <laughs> uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.6 says, 
when you pray right we're supposed to pray with thanksgiving it says with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god where adoration focuses on who god is thanksgiving focuses on what god does what i'm saying the last one the s is supplication supplication or intercession if you like which refers to prayer for our needs and the needs of others a supplication or a request or a petition so that's one model that you can use i'm saying with regards to your prayers and you do that then to some degree you're praying faithfully you know what i mean and it doesn't mean that you're, every single time you sit and pray it has to be in that order with all of these i mean you can just say lord i thank you so much you're so good I got to church on time. Praise the Lord. Remember to put my clocks forward. Hey, that's a prayer. Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? Now, completely organically, right? Hopefully, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to walk you through now is my devotion in Psalm 1 this, this morning. It's mad. It's a bit all over the place, so forgive me. Some of it literally I'm going to read because I, I haven't memorized exactly what it was. So, again, forgive me for ha having my head here as opposed to kind of looking and engaging with you. But, um, and I'm hoping that this is just going to encourage you because if Jesus used the Psalms to help him to pray, how much more us? And I'm saying, this is powerful. You ever sat down and think, I've got to pray, you know, I know I need to pray. And you find yourself in that space. <laughs> and you sit there and you feel like, okay, I'm going to pray for mommy, I'm going to pray for daddy, and I'm going to pray for the kids. Um, I'm going to pray that I can get out my job and, um, and then you run out of stuff to pray for, right? This is really going to help. So verse one, as we just, just looking at the text and allowing the text to encourage and inspire our prayers, right? It's far from perfect. It's just, you know what I'm saying? An, an insight as to how possibly you can do it. So verse 1 says, Blessed is the man, as I read this, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now I'm going to be pulling on everything and some of the stuff that we talked about over the past seven weeks. So if some of the stuff you're like, huh? Don't worry. You know what I'm saying? This is stuff that we've looked at over the course of this week. And it's all poured into at least this point of my devotion. And I say, Lord, I understand that this ultimately speaks about the Lord Jesus. This, this, this first part of the psalm, right? He's the blessed man of Psalm 1, Lord. He's the one who is supremely happy, is satisfied, completely joy-filled, prosperous, favored. Pastor E talked to us about the Beatitudes just a few weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? Now, this is, this is coming out of my time as I think about this. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. what did he preach on again? Yeah, it was Matthew chapter 5. And I thought about Matthew chapter 5 and I pulled it up and, and I read what it said. And I said, okay, blessed, is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You see, like Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man. Here's the same word. So it must, have, must be related in some way, shape, or form. And blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of I want the kingdom of God, Lord. What does it mean for me to be poor in spirit? Blessed are those who mourn. Pastor E smashed it to pieces over about 10 weeks looking at this. So if you want some insight. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are, this is, it makes sense to be meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
I feel kind of thirsty, Lord. I'm kind of hungry, spiritually speaking, Lord. What does it mean to be fully satisfied? I'm, 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 I'm communicating this to the Lord. I'm communicating this, you know what I'm saying, as a prayer, as questions, as petitions. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I like that. That encourages me to be more merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Lord, help me. Sometimes I don't think my heart is pure. David said, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And he said, God, you search it because I can't search it. If I, if I search my own heart, I'm going to skip stuff. <coughs> Lord, I know my heart ain't fully pure. Help me. Blessed are the peacemakers. Every day I drive my car, I'm tempted to jump out my car and lick somebody over. And I mean, Lord, help me to be someone who would seek peace and pursue that. Because people who do that shall be called the sons of God. I want to represent you like that as your son. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For this is the kingdom of heaven. And I just read through, I just read through Matthew chapter 5, that portion. Right there in, in my time of, of devotions. And I'll be like, Lord, I'll be like, Father, Jesus is the, is, is the epitome of the blessed man. All of that really speaks about him perfectly. And I praise you because... Jesus practiced what he preached. He was merciful. He was pure in heart. He was a peacemaker. And he was persecuted for righteousness sake. Going back to Psalm 1. Jesus didn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Remember we saw that. Peter tried to give him some bad counsel. Jesus rejected that. <laughs> Nicely. Told him, Satan, get behind me. And then the devil would come and tempt him literally. And Jesus dealt with that, Matthew 4. All, if you look at the text, because he had been meditating on God's word. He was able to, like, Bruce Lee, deal with, like, who's a modern-day, some of you don't know Bruce Lee. Who's a modern-day Bruce Lee? Jet Lee. That's even, not, that's, even that's dated now. Who's, who's modern-day? Who's the, who's the Irish guy? Conor McGregor. The, MMA. I'm saying, look, you know, you can be in your devotions and stuff like this come to your mind. And you can be like, Lord, look how Jesus just handle Conor, like, like my man, the, the money guy. What's his name? The American guy that boxed with McGregor. Floyd Mayweather. Lord, look how Jesus has deal with the devil like Floyd Mayweather, deal with Conor McGregor. I'm saying, look, this stuff, can, why, why not? Why not? You know what I'm saying? Why not? Because this is, this is how you understand and picture. And the Psalms is supposed to be an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? For you to communicate with God in ways that make sense, at least to you. That's what we say. That sometimes the psalmist writes stuff and we're like, what's he talking about? True? You've got to do some digging to find out what he's talking about. So someone will listen to this message in 50 years' time. And like, who, like, who's Colin McGregor? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's Muhammad Ali? You know what I'm saying? These examples that we're using, but... It's just, it's just, it's just your, it's, that's your language. And that's you being real, you know what I'm saying? And genuinely communicating with God from your heart. Jesus fought against every temptation wonderfully. Lord, help me to be more like Jesus in that manner. Yet I struggle Lord, help me not to walk in the counsel of the wicked and stand in the way of sinners and sit at the seat of the sworn. Because I know that it's a slippery slope. When I start 
walking in the counsel of the wicked and then tutus I'm jamming I'm, I'm jamming with the wicked and then tutus I'm, I'm actually sitting now in the seat of scoffers where I'm doing what I would have never done three years ago help me Lord that's a slippery slope I want to be a blessed man I want to be a blessed woman but I can't do it Lord without your help how how can I do it Lord, what are some of the practical steps, Lord, literally to help me? I can get up off my knees. I can get up from my quiet time. I can get up from the toilet, wherever I am, and I'm spending time with you right now, Lord. I, get, I was in the front room. Lord, I, give me something practical to help me to do this. Oh, yeah. The next verse says, delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, meditate day and night. That's what helped Jesus. That's what. But I'm like, Lord, if I'm honest, I confess that your law isn't always my delight. I don't want to read the Bible. Don't tell me 50 minutes gone already. Lord, your word isn't always my delight. I delight in other things, watching telly, YouTube, social media. I find it hard to sit in silence, Lord. I read your word, I, I memorize it. And sometimes I try to meditate, but I flop so regularly, Lord. Please help me. Help me to be disciplined, even if it's just for a short period of time. Let me help me to start off with baby steps. Thank you, Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to feel beat down by this, but Lord, I can't lie. I feel your conviction nonetheless. How can I ever be more like Jesus if I'm not prepared to be more like Jesus? Verse 3, he's like a tree. He's planted by the streams of water. He yields his fruit in its season and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You know, at this moment, I've closed my eyes and I thought about a tree. We've done a lot of thinking about trees. We took two weeks to talk about trees. And I still had, I still got more room to meditate on trees. And I closed my eyes and I saw, I was, I was like John in a sense, I was caught up in a spirit in a, in a sense. All of a sudden I'm in Jamaica. And I was in my mom and dad's house in 1986. And I was standing up outside, just outside the, outside the veranda. <laughs> outside the burglar bar, outside on the, on the ground. And on the left of me is the absolute biggest avocado tree you ever seen in your life. And the avocados on that tree, they were big and heavy like ripe melons. Never seen avocado. They were massive. They were like three, four, five, six times the size of a regular avocado. And when you slice them, they were, they were creamy, different level. And I thought, Lord, and the tree used to bear so much. And the, and the, and the fruit was so heavy, it used to pull down. The branches used to bend under the weight of the fruit on this tree. Then I switched over and I, and I went to another place in Jamaica that I used to. That was Longville in near Maypen. I switched to another place that I lived previously in Old Harbour, a place called um, Big Pond. And outside we had two, not one, two Julie Mango tree. 
if you know anything about mangoes, Julie Mango is the Bentley of mangoes. And we had two of them. And Mr. Carnegie reminded me that Julie Mango trees bear frequently, like at least twice a year. And them mangoes were the... It's me, I'm thinking about... And then all of a sudden I was in Florida. I was at my uncle's house in West Palm Beach. Outside in the back garden, underneath a big, massive coconut tree. Got someone to come over, shimmy up the tree and, and knock out some of the... And we sat underneath that tree and we drank water coconut. Till my belly was full. One of the things we said about trees, and I reflected on it, is that... How I many of you know, a tree doesn't eat its own fruit. Lord, I want to be that tree that produces fruit that others can eat from and be nourished from and benefited by. That's the kind of tree, that's the kind of guy I want to be. Lord, I want to be like Jesus, that tree. Planted, I want to be rooted, I want to be connected. Now, there's a whole lot more I thought about trees. But let me conclude because it's about that time. A part of what I began to do was um, pray for not just myself but for others. <clears throat> um, praying that, that I, that we would produce fruit and fruit that would remain in an eternal sense. Fruit that stays fresh till the end. Fruit that goes beyond its sell-by date before it's best before date. Fruit that brings reward and glory to the name of the Lord. I want, I, I want to see reward for my labors, don't you? Otherwise, what a waste of time. But, and I wanna, we want to bring glory to the name of the Lord through our, our endeavors and our work and the fruit that comes from our life. I, pray, I prayed for my family. Now, I'm not going to tell you specifically what I prayed for my wife and for my kids and for my foster kids. That's personal. But I prayed for you. I prayed for my church. Now, that doesn't mean I prayed for every single individual by name. I'd still be there praying, right? But what I did was, anyone who came to mind, I'd pray for. You know what I'm saying? We're going through a time of transition. We've got a new leadership structure, new elders, new deacons. We're in a new season. I prayed that God would make us a, a forest of fruitfulness. May Ecclesia be a healthy church, equipped to disciple and faithful on mission. And I just continue to read Psalm 1. I'm not going to do this too much. I, I didn't realize how much it was. I didn't realize how long I was there. Um, and that's what will happen. You try and pray kind of on your own. You get so far. But if you allow the scriptures to feed your prayers, you'll find that your prayer life will take on another dimension. take on another dimension so <clears throat> when it comes to the songs we are says Tim Keller in a sense to put them inside our own prayers or perhaps to put our prayers inside them amen I'm gonna invite the team to come join me <clears throat> um, would you pray with me Lord
Thank you that you place your spirit into our hearts. But Lord, you place your word into our hands. And Father, we know if there's anything that our biblical theology tells us is that your word and your spirit work together powerfully. Right there in Genesis at the creation, it was, it was your word when you spoke and you said, let there be light. It was your word when you spoke, when there was darkness covering the waters and the face of the deep. It was when you spoke the land in conjunction with your spirit, your word produced life. Father, I pray that as we take your word in conjunction with the work of your spirit in our lives, Lord, I pray that you breathe life, that when you breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, that you'd breathe life into our prayer life, breathe life into our lives through prayer. And Father, it's true, someone said that prayer to the Christian should be like breathing oxygen. Just like a baby who's learning to speak. By the time they're two, three years old, they're fluent to a degree in, the, in language. They can communicate what they're thinking, what they're feeling. 60% of, 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 of that which is on their heart, they can share. Even if it's just me one apple or me no like. Father, help us to grow and develop in our prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Not to pray just because I have to, just to pray for show or try and trying to be clever in my prayers so that I can look clever to others, Lord, that, and spiritual. Lord, help us. And I thank you that you do by giving us the Psalms that empower and inspire our prayers. Thank you for this great blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.